0: for hello and happy Monday welcome to the quantum health recipe podcast and we have dr. Rhett Kenny with us as usual but today's a little different um, we're gonna let Rhett talk about what he does for a living and how he treats his patients um, it's something that resonated with me the first time I ever met Rhett and he he told me about what he did and, and we've always had great conversations about the way that we both teach we we both are on the same mission but what Rhett does, in my opinion, is pretty extraordinary as a chiropractor because it's something different than I have ever uh, been accustomed to. So we're gonna let Rhett kind of talk to you guys today. So go ahead, Rhett, man. Tell us, tell us kind of what what your mission is. What are you What are
1: you doing here in Madison County? Well, I am a chiropractor by trade. So I went to school, graduated in 2013 from. Logan University in um, Chesterfield, Missouri, which is just outside of St. Louis, so it's not too far from here. It's about about a six-hour drive, and I remember um, going to school. And anytime we got a break, I'd come back to Madison County here for just vacation. You know, if there was a, if they gave us a week off, uh, chiropractic school is year-round. So it's a lot, very much like medical school. Um, we had what they call trimesters instead of semesters. Um, it it's it's a, it's a it, it, trimesters are it's a, it's year round school basically it's like a yeah. you go you go to classes uh, or there's a how do you say curriculum or a session um, three seasons out of the year. The, anyways, I'm getting a little bit mixed up in my head. I'm like, how does that work out? Because we've got four seasons. Anyways, all that to say, um I had a wonderful experience. My my dad is a is a traditional chiropractor. My um, I have a I had a grandfather that was a chiropractor, and and uh, two uncles that are chiropractors, and then a uh, uh, actually um, another uh, cousin that's a chiropractor. I've got uh, there's a lot of cousins and and other relatives that are in uh, natural medicine or in the health field, in, in one way, shape, or form, nurses, personal trainers, um, stuff like that. So it's Medicine in or national medicine, I should say, is um, it's been something that has been in my family for a long time um, and something that it's just in my blood. You know, it's just something that
0: you're born into. Yeah,
1: that I was born into. And um, so all that to say, you know, for some folks, the your primary care is you know, the first pe- the first doctor you might consult for a health-related problem. In my family, the, the, the naturopath or the chiropractor or the natural holistic practitioner are the first people we consult for health-related problems, you know. So um, that is our primary. And, and as long as, you know, as long as the government allows, when our constitution allows for us to, uh, choose for ourselves i think that's always going to be the case for me and my family we're i can't imagine us ever gravitating towards uh the conventional model of care uh first now we might and you know if if we if we ran into an emergency or whatever i have no doubt we'd, we we you'd, you'd find us in a in an emergency room yeah, no, asking for help or whatever but for the most part we um we we align with uh, natural medicine, ideology, natural medicine, philosophy. And for that reason, we're always going to choose to go the natural route before, um, the conventional route. And, um, you know, and I think that, that, that's, that's consistent with the majority of the population actually, um, you know, between 50, between 50%, I think it's like between 50 and 60% of adults are looking for alternative type, um, solutions to their health care. Uh, more than 80% of seniors are looking for uh, alternative methods of care, not you know uh, seeking alternatives to the conventional side of things when it comes to their health care, their mental even mental health procedures. So there's a large swath of the population looking for natural alternatives and I decided that I wanted to be a part of that and so um, I've uh, that's what I've done. I want to, you know, if if doc doctor, I don't know if you've heard. Uh, do you know the definition of doctor?
0: I have read, but I want you to. I I think the listeners need to hear it.
1: What's the definition of a doctor?
0: I don't know, Rip. What is it? <laughs>
1: teacher. Doctor yeah. actually means teacher in Latin. those uh, dos, I think is the is the word, uh, but it actually means teacher. And part of the responsibility of doctors actually teach health, right? And not only. Helps help patients understand what's going on with them, yeah. but teach them appropriate solutions. Um, actually, I actually was asked was talking with a patient even this morning over the phone and just said uh, that you know part of my job is to be um, is to be uh, shoot I've just lost my, my train of thought. Part of the 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 problem with healthcare. Is that a lot of times uh, doctors have wonderful solutions, but they they have they get solutions by accident. Yes. And you know to, to 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 help patients obviously is the name of the game, right? That is what ultimately we're after. But we want to not just be helpful uh, by accident. We want to be helpful by intention, right? For us, to, for a doctor to help a patient out by accident is helpful. I don't, I don't deny that. Like it's much, I would much rather patients be out of pain than in pain, but we want to be helpful by intention. And, And the reason is because being, you know, being helpful as a doctor and understanding, you know, why a solution might be working for a patient gives us the greatest chance of understanding why that patient was sick in the first place yes or dysfunctional or diseased in the first place right you want to understand and need to understand uh, the process of dysfunction the process of disease and and how maybe a patient got into their condition so that we can document number 1 document effectively document accurate, accurately and also help the next patient that might be, you know, that might be exhibiting the same type of symptoms. Now, you've got a lot of, much like COVID nineteen, you've got a lot of the same signs and symptoms related to disease and illness. That, that also um, is similar to other, uh, to, to other type of health conditions. You know, um, how many of us go through, go through uh, times um, of where you've got a lot of of mucus buildup and a lot of, um, you know, you're snot, you're, you're snotty, you're you're sneezing. I mean, how many often, or or seriously, how many times throughout the year do you experience that? And
0: it's a seasonal thing, in my opinion, where our bodies have to become accustomed to each season, mm -hmm. you know?
1: And it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're sick. You might be, you might be finding something, but um, it, it, you know, your signs and symptoms, of, for example, headaches are a wonderful, very confusing uh, thing for the medical field because um, there, there's a lot of different reasons why people experience headaches. Um, you know, symptoms of, of having signs and symptoms of, of anemia could create headaches. Yeah, decreased uh,
0: blood flow. Am I right by saying that?
1: Decreased blood flow, adrenal, which is tied in with adrenal gland health. That's also, um, also a... a uh, a health condition that uh, that can create um, headaches. Uh, you know, immune dysfunction. You're, you're in a state of of um, uh, immunosuppressants that can be. You know, that can st- stimulate um, headaches or, or other type symptoms, um, sniffles and uh, mucus production and um, stoniness stuff like that. Yeah. You know, signs of signs of, of cold, uh, of of having a cold or some sort of infections. What I'm saying is that you know there's a lot of different uh, there are you know we might have multiple diagnoses, but a lot of times those diagnoses uh, a diagnosis has the same symptoms as a, a different diagnosis, you know, but yes. the diagnosis is important um, and the treatment is important. It's important for people to feel well, um, but we want to help people by intention and the the best way to do that is not to. Is is not to guess at what people are dealing with, but actually to know what people are dealing with. That's what we're after in healthcare. We're after trying to to, to come up with the best explanation, and that explanation needs to be tied in with evidence. What's the evidence of a particular diagnosis?
0: Yeah, and and I I, I agree with everything that you're saying, Rhett. And so I'm going to try to put myself in your shoes for a second um, as someone who. Is I guess a holistic coach in nutrition also is each client that I have teaches me something new. Like you mm-hmm. said, being a teacher, because when I explain to the individual why I'm giving them a certain supplement or telling them to eat a certain food, what I just said, I explain to them why I'm doing it. I give them an understanding of why you have these symptoms. It's usually related to, to this, this, and this, and this is why. And so, if we're not good teachers, whether you're an allopathic practitioner or you're in the natural healthcare field or a personal trainer even, you have to be a good teacher in order for the individual to actually learn how to self-heal on their own. Because at the end of the day, mine and Rhett's goal is not to keep a patient or a client forever. It's to teach them how to heal. It's to teach them how to get through this and... At the end of the day, I think that every doctor should be doing the same thing, not just you come in for 10 minutes, it's nice to see you, I'm leaving. Um, th- that's, that's not how, we, how you build a relationship with patients and clients. It's giving them the time of the day, getting to know them. Um, and whatever you all have to do in your private practices to do that, whether it's to increase your price, that's what needs to be done.
1: Do you agree, Rhett? I do. I think one of the most important uh, things you can do is ask the question of why 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 are patients experiencing the things that they're experiencing and i think if i think one of the problems is that not enough doctors are are asking the right questions and enough questions about where patients are at in within their their healthcare their journey right everyone's different but it's important for doctors to ask the question why and continue to ask questions of, of why you know um I've heard it said that um, you know, as long as I can fi- fix it, I don't ha- I don't necessarily have to understand it. Uh, actually, said by one of my heroes, Doctor George Goodhart, was who was um, the the patriarch of of my particular field. I don't necessarily agree with that. Maybe he maybe there was there's more to that than I understand. But um, that was a, a famous quote by him, and I, I don't. I think it's dangerous. It's you know, just to, to some degree, I think it's important. Uh, for for us to be able to move on, if if you f- really feel like you've helped a patient or if a patient's getting better, yes. But in the in the same way, I never think that we should just uh, be sad, be too satisfied with the result, and without trying to, without asking the question of, okay, well, why did the treatment work? Why did this particular solution work? That is also important. Yes. But if you never get those answers, I mean. If you never truly understand maybe why a particular treatment worked for you, that's okay. Yes. It's it's just not best. It's not ideal. Ideally, you want to understand why you feel the way you do, why you got in that particular situation because that's going to help you number 1 prevent prevent your prevent the, the scenario of 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 reverting back into those health conditions. You don't want to I mean if you if you survive cancer, you know, but nothing changes from your dietary lifestyle and your health. Um, but you're cancer free after after chemotherapy and stuff like, you know, I, uh, you know, very much applaud that particular person. But, you know, I you, that, that person still needs quite a bit of help um, to 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 try to prevent uh relapses. Right. To, to try to prevent reverting back into or few you know, going back into, um, uh, health states where, you know, they, they've come down with a, maybe a new cancer or another cancer. Like there's a reason for your cancer and, um, it's, it's important for, or your yes you know, or your diabetes, whether, whether, okay. So diabetes is a great, a great, um, conversation to have, uh, because you've got both type one and type two and, there's and many
0: solutions
1: and many different solutions. Um, so, I mean, it's important for us to understand why why someone might be having blood sugar handling problems in the first place, like what's going on with your pancreas, what's creating signs and symptoms. Those are important questions to ask. So um, all that to say, as a, as a doctor, you know, uh, I think a lot of times the quality of, of the doctor you're, you're working with is dependent on how well the, the, the doctor can, can ask the right questions. If he's able to ask the the right questions and explore those questions in in a way in in a way that uh, that is a, you know maybe the broadest way or, or whatever, then you know you, you have the greatest chance of survival. You have got the greatest chance for recovery. Our system is dependent on really on 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 creating quality doctors, and I don't know. How many quality doctors are out there? You know, it it really kind of comes back to whether or not doctors take it upon themselves to ask the right yes, questions.
0: Yes, I think good doctors have to be great thinkers. They have like to be great thinkers. They have to be open minded mm-hmm. because science changes constantly, and if we're not constantly studying and questioning the status quo, just because a book tells us something doesn't mean <laughs> it's the truth. Do you agree, Rhett? Yeah. Just because we're taught something, we need to question it, and if in your practice, and that's, not,
1: and that's not unscientific to question it. No, it's actually very scientific to question. I mean, if if you've got, you know, science makes truth claims, uh, research and and healthcare, for example, is a um, a corollary, a, a subsidiary of uh, of the re- of the science of the of the questions that we ask in science in research, right? The procedures and the treatments follow the the premise. The premise is, you know, the 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 health questions that we ask. Why is someone a diabetic, right? Well, then you've got to explore why maybe they're a diabetic. Yes. And and the, the treatments and solutions to the problem. So all that to say we it's not unscientific unscientific. In fact, it's very scientific to to scrutinize research and ask questions. We want um uh, we want to be on the side of truth, on the side of reality. What is and isn't isn't real. What is and isn't yes. true. And if we have, we ha- if we have a lot of research that is making truth claims, then it it, it is it is it's it it would be ridiculous for us to say that it's not appropriate to scrutinize or criticize or uh, and look into the questions we're asking yes. and the solutions. Right. That is it, it's very appropriate to do. Yes. So um, all that today, that's all kind of, just say that's kind of what I've done in natural medicine. And I, that's the, the mindset that I hold is that um, that we need to we need to continue to ask questions. You as the consumer have the constitutional right and the responsibility to ask questions related to your health and the health of your family members. Right. It's, it's a constitutional um, guarantee at this point. Yes, You know, and it's your, it's actually your constitutional responsibility, uh, or or I would, I would argue your moral responsibility to, to, to continue to ask questions and, and make sure that your that your kids are, are getting enough of the the care that they need or the enough of the things that they need, you know, the nutrition or the, the exercise or the time outside versus time staring at a screen. I mean, you've got to, we've all got, got to continue to ask, uh, to ask questions and, um, uh, for me, I don't, I don't, I just don't find it hard to do. I am very inquisitive. I, I love the, uh, the thought of um, the journey of, uh, of discovery, yes, and exploration, and un- and trying to understand the world that we live in. I wake up every morning so excited, you know. And um, I, I got married. Maybe this, hopefully this will be a, a, something that you find entertaining. I got married almost two years ago. By now, and I, I, uh, I absolutely love my wife, and I think she is an incredible person. But she is one of the most, um, she's one of the most, one of the hardest people that I personally have ever tried to figure out. In other words, yeah. she's a bit of a mystery to me, and and that's totally and that's why you fun, love her, fun isn't and man? that's totally fun, and totally fine, and like, you know, I'm finding I'm, I'm finding more and more about her every day that that we're alive and um and it's just exciting it's fun and and i absolutely love it but um you know i i uh, i take it upon myself to to continue to ask questions related to her health you know am i am i being supportive the way that she needs to be to be supportive and uh, am i providing in a way that she needs me to provide for her for her needs am i giving her space when she needs space Am I giving her? Um, am I honoring the boundaries that she has set? Sometimes she needs to. Uh, she needs a break from me. You know, I wear her out. I think by a lot of times by the, by my, uh, by my questions or, or by my uh, uh, inquisitive nature. I guess you know me. Me trying to figure out. Patient, uh, patient. Um, things related to patients, uh, our own health concerns, stuff like that. You know, a lot of times I'm, I'm asking questions with her, you know, and I think she gets tired of it sometimes, you know, yeah. but I love her to death. And, um, all this, all that to say, you know, it's, it's within the health community and that goes for all of us. Yeah. Um, nutritionists, nutrition, you know, nutritional consultants, nutritionists, personal trainers, whether you're in, uh, whether you're you're an MD, DO, DC, PT, right? The quality of your life, this is, a, I guess, a very popular saying, the quality of your life will be determined by the quality of your questions. Well, I'd like to go a little bit further. The quality of your health might be, be excuse me, might be dependent on the quality of the questions your doctor is, is, is willing and able to ask, like, you know, if you know nothing about genetics, they're probably not going to ask genetic-related questions. If you know nothing about methylation, your doctor's probably not going to ask questions related to methylation. If you know nothing about uh, ammonia metabolism, if you know nothing about steroid hormone metabolism, vitamin D metabolism, if you know nothing about acupressure and acupuncture points in the Chinese medicine and the meridian systems, your your doctor's not going to look into potential solutions or treatments related to those uh those procedures because he knows nothing he doesn't even know to ask the question yes you know
0: it's heartbreaking to see any type of doctor not know about nutrition that breaks my heart because so many things can be fixed with nutrition if not everything and i i guess maybe i shouldn't say that but I, do you agree, Rhett, that so many yeah. things can be fixed with nutrition when it comes to disease mm-hmm. and in correcting um, different deficiencies yeah, yeah. and so on? And so, for for somebody to be teaching health, to be teaching someone how to get better and not know about nutrition, I, I, it
1: leaves me speechless. our, our biochemistry uh, and nutritional pathways are dependent on the things that we consume and the, and the toxins we're exposed to, for example, if you're, you know, there again, it like if you're not asking questions related to uh, your biochemistry health or your chemistry health, your health in terms of chemistry of the body, then it, it's time. I mean, it's time to start asking those questions because um, in my line of, of field, uh, it's actually the most, um, it's the most. Um, it's not only the the quickest way to help someone. Um, it's also going to be the most the best long term solution for them as well. So it's not just short term. It's also long term to consider nutrition as as a primary health solution. Right. Um, a lot of people, and this is not the this is not the the perspective of just me and Darcy. Obviously, I mean, we. We are uh, we're, we're the products of the time and effort and energy we've put into all the studying and all the all the textbooks we've read and all the thing all the material we've read and all the st- things that we study and all the you know the time spent with uh, let's face it like even even private practice and, and, and working with clients working with patients is a form of education too oh, We continued is. we continue to educate ourselves on um, on human physiology and, and and human function and and health best health practice and stuff on a daily basis as we work with patients because um certain things work certain things don't work and there's reasons to those things but if you never you know if doctors said well that didn't work let's just try something else and and and, and didn't ask the question maybe why didn't it work why did it not work yes um all of a sudden they've done they you know there was an opportunity for them to do a bit of uh research there to, to, to have a better understanding of of how life works and, and and what is true and what is real and they you know and and they totally neglected it or whatever and just went on to maybe uh, uh tried to find a, another solution this world is made up of obviously we're made up of material things and not only, I don't, you know, I would not argue that, that life is only material. Um, but the material part of life allows us to, um, to make decisions related to healthcare and then see if they worked, right? Yes. They're very mechanistic Explore. in nature. They're very mes- mechanistic in nature, right? Life is mechanistic in nature. Um, we call that the cause and effect. If you, if you choose not to eat, for example, you're going to, you know, there's going to be consequences to your actions. In the same way, if you decided to meditate, you could, you could, from a research standpoint, track the benefits and the the effects of, say, meditating. Yes. Right. If you, um, if you, if you live, decided to live a very angry life, you know, if you just were like a person that wanted to be angry all the time uh for example or let's say you couldn't get over up your anger for some someone or some some particular thing that would have you know there would be consequences related to that particular choice of course right it'd be you could track and you could track it and that's that's what the science and the research is all about tracking um you know tracking the mechanism or the mechanistic nature of certain health choices health consequences Uh, We call it the cause and effect, right? You make a you make a decision, and the consequences are are directly downstream from the choices the upper the upper uh, the upstream choices that you make, you know, or or made. So, all that to say, you know, research and science and all that stuff is very very beneficial. Um, But all, all that to say, like the ongoing. Processes to uh, to scrutinize our our questions and our our quote unquote knowledge. We need to continue. I think to um, to question so that we continue to to get down to the bottom of um, of why of why life is the way it is. If we didn't ask those questions, we might be stuck on this idea of vestigial organs. vestigial, vest- vestigial organs are organs <clears throat> which are, have been deemed evolutionary uh, evolutionary um, excesses, you know, um, uh, products of evolutionary change over time. And, um, you know, they used to think that the appendix was a, you know, this is very easy to Google and research, but if you just research, obviously the appendix was uh, often thought of as a, a vestigial organ, one that we didn't need. Well, all of a sudden that's been flipped on its head. We know that it, it's, you know, that we could live without it, but it, it doesn't. It's not th- like it doesn't serve a purpose, or we right? would not have it. the The thymus gland is also thought of as not not important, or not um, not uh, not something we can do without. But but something that uh, tends to to degenerate over time, and that might it might be true that the thymus gland, for example, uh, you know, doesn't. Um, tends to maybe slow down as we age. But the fact is it doesn't, it's not like a purposeless organ after a certain age. Like you're going to, it's, it's, it still holds function, right? Yeah. They used to think our, um, our, our coccidial bone or our sit bone, our, not sit bone, our, our tailbone, that's what yeah. it is. Our tailbone is sometimes I, I remember the medical name and not the common name for, for certain organ or for certain things. But our tailbone was also believed to be like a vestigial organ.
0: Um, really, I did not know
1: that. Yeah, one that maybe, you know, something that we we didn't need, um, or, or the the product of an of an evolutionary tail. You know, if we were yes. if we were uh, uh, primates or whatever in in the past. But all that to say, like, you know, there's there's definitely there's a definite um, purpose for the tailbone, for example. And R-
0: th- this brings me to this point, Rhett. We should do a podcast on the gallbladder one day. Because there are so many people that have their gallbladders out mm-hmm. and they think that it's not necessary because they're yeah. told that. Yeah. And it it really has started to bother me because of bile production and you and I teach eating a high fat diet and having your gallbladder eliminated really can make that difficult to eat a high fat diet, yeah. which can lead into a lot of other issues. But that, we'll save that for another day.